Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're using it for something you want, it doesn't feel as much of a sacrifice because you're like, well, I'm not eating out tonight because I'm going to use the money to buy a house. And that ultimately is going to serve me more than the dinner out, right? Right, right. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here with my guest today, Kenley. Hi, Kenley. Hi. Kenley, I was just saying, I love your fake name. We have not had a <laughs> Kenley, and I feel like I've heard it before, but not in a while. Yeah, I actually, it, it was on a TV show, and I can't remember which one. But it was someone's last name, and it just stuck with me. So I was like, I'm, I'm I like this. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's such a pretty name, um, and we've not had one. We've had you know a handful of names that have been repeated, but we have not had a Kenley. So Kenley, um, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? What do you make? What do you do? Yeah, so I am based in San Diego. I was from Northern California originally, but have moved down here and am considering it my home for a while now. I'm 29 and I work in the meeting and event planning industry and roughly made about 50000 last year and I'm looking to make a, more than that this year, but it my income does vary. Perfect. Okay. Meeting in events. That must be really fun. But also it probably requires weekends. Is that right or no? Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes. So most of our clients are um, actually like corporate or association. So I do have the like nine to five during the week typically. But then um, if we have an event, we will have like some long weekends here and there. But it's not every week. So I still kind of have a good uh, work-life balance and, and get to enjoy my weekends if if there's not an event. So that's good. Cause that's sometimes the downside with events is right. Like nights and weekends. So yeah. Yeah. And how did you end up in the event space? Not literally so, event space, but the event, maybe I shouldn't say event space. It sounds bad. Maybe event field. Yeah. So I actually started out school being, uh, wanting to do an English major and work in like published and editing. Um, but I ended up taking some community, 
uh, college classes in recreation, which ended up, which kind of translated to uh, like event planning um, at my community college and just fell in love with that instead. And I was like, okay, plot twist, I'm making the change. And um, then went to school at San Diego State for meetings and events and just have kept moving forward since. Oh, amazing. Oh, so you studied it in school. I did. Yeah. So many people don't pursue what they study in college. I know it's rare. Yeah. But I think also having gone through another field or like going towards something and then, you know, school took me a little bit longer. So I was like a little older when I graduated. So I've like really honed in on, okay, this is what I want to do because I've been doing it for some time and, and kind of knew as the older I've gotten what I wanted in my life and like things. So it, it, it worked out. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, very good. So I totally can relate variable income. Um, you just plan a little bit differently when you have variable income. So do you think using 50 as like an approximation is a good number? Yeah, I, I did get a like a raise recently. So maybe you just okay. bump it up a little bit. But I yeah, it's so hard for me to to tell like, it's so that's one of my biggest struggles is like budgeting because yep. everything is so up in the air depending on things. But maybe we could bump it up to like 52 or something. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm really good at spending other people's money. So we can even start with 50 and I'll probably spend it all. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do too. So, <laughs> so let's see here. Okay. So do you want to talk me through, um, your expenses? Yeah. So I feel like I have quite a bit of them, but my typical expenses are obviously rent and we have like SDG, water, internet, phone, um, health insurance, car insurance, uh, like my vision digital. So I don't have any um, benefits included in my job. So it's everything um, I pay for that on my own. So that that kind of adds up with some of my expenses as well. But then um, I also have like disability and life insurance um, that will my mom told me I should get that in. Great. So I'm, I was like, gonna be, I'm so impressed that that's already, okay, perfect. Disability life insurance. Now, do you, are you living alone? I have roommates. I have three other roommates. Roommates. Okay. And so what is your share of the rent? I pay 1040. Okay, perfect. And then what is your share of the utilities? So that also fluctuates and yep. um, we only pay water every other month. So I like break it up like monthly of kind of what it was. So it's like, $75 for water and then SDG&E depending on, you know, how many of us are home and lights and things like that. But I, I roughly budget around the 88 because that's been the highest I have paid in a have while. Paid? So I kind of go with okay. that. Yeah. And then internet and phone? Um, internet's 15 and my phone is 67. Okay, perfect. And then what are you paying for health insurance? 304 that's actually, that feels reasonable. Yeah, I, I'm lucky um, to have gotten pretty inexpensive kind. <laughs> okay, and then what are you paying for disability and life insurance? I pay 87, well, it's like 86 and some change, but I just have been rounding up. So it's 87, yeah. For both. Mm -hmm. And then what kind of life insurance do you have? Do you know? Term? Yes. That's, yes. That would be great. Okay. Yes. I, that's what I, I'm like, now I don't have it in front of me, but I believe 
it was important when I was going through it that I wanted term insurance. <laughs> yes, because term insurance is cheap um, because it's temporary. So the goal is then at the end of the term, like the period of time you're covered for, which is, let's say, 30 years, that you don't need insurance at that point. So you borrow it when you have the biggest risk, and then it expires when you ideally don't have any risk left. Perfect. Well, then, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm just... No, I was going to say, that's great. So your mom told you to get it? Yeah. <laughs> she also, because I don't have like a 401k or anything with my job. So she was like, you need to get like a Roth IRA as well. So um, I've, I've been doing that for a while now um, as well. But yeah, she did it one of the Dave Ramsey course things. And then she was telling me everything that I should do too. Do. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so then you... So then for bills, does it sound about right um, if I were to add all this up? So we have 1040 for rent and then nine well average 90 for uh, utilities, 75 for water, 15 for internet, 67 for phone, health insurance at 304, and then the term and disability of 87. So that brings us to about sixteen eighty, so one thousand six hundred a month. Yeah, that that sounds about right for those ones. I also do include in like so my overall what I consider like the four wall type things that I I need to have. It ends up being yep. total. I have two thousand four hundred and fifteen because that includes my like my groceries, my gas. Um, yep, perfect eating out because that's important to me or like going out for drinks with my friends and such. Um, and then like my workout class pass and stuff. So I just kind of, those are the things I know I'm going to have to spend. So it ends up being yep. 2,415. Perfect. Okay, great. And then what are you bringing in? I know it's variable. Are you paid W-2 or are you paid 1099? W-2. W-2. It just, is it based on hours? Is that why it varies? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. And so what on average, and I know it changes, but even on the low end, would you bring in approximately monthly after taxes? So I was trying to figure, I guess, the the math on that. And so I, I probably would say like monthly on the lowest I've had is about $16.90, I think. Okay. So then that would be really tight if you're bringing in that monthly and you infer everything for your expenses, you had need $2,415, right? Mm-hmm. So and that doesn't just, include my, which I d- don't necessarily consider the it as like the four walls that I need to do, but I do put 200 to savings and then I have 300 going to my Roth IRA each month as well. But yes, sometimes it is tight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Cause then that's another 500. So then that brings you to what you're spending. If that all is consistent to uh, 2,915 a month. Mm-hmm. And do you have any debt? I um, paid off all of my student loans and my car. I do have on my credit card right now, which I'm working to pay off, but I have a 1231 on my credit card. So, Okay, well, that's not, that's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> could be worse. But the rest of your – yeah, it could totally be worse. Okay, but the debt, all your other debt is paid off. That's great. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then what do you have in your Roth and in your savings? So in my savings – it's 
which is also why I want to do this because I feel like at 29, I should have a lot more going for me, but I have in my savings 3,123 and then in my Roth, I have 4,941. Well, it's all relative. So the great thing that you have going for you is you basically have no debt because we could easily pay off the credit card if we needed to. Right. So I, and I think it's totally hard to plan with variable income, which is the tricky part. But the great news is you already have the Roth started, which is one of my favorite vehicles, as you know, from listening to the show. Mm-hmm. And I also love not having debt and you don't have high expenses. So we just need to see where we can, I think what will be great is if we can up your savings a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I'm like working into the three to six months right now, but I, that's where I'm like, I don't know where I'm going wrong in the sense of like where I feel like I should be able to put more to it, but I don't know where I'm going wrong. <laughs> no, you're actually, so if you're aver- if you're making a gross amount of 50,000 a year and you're putting three, you're saving 500 a month. I mean, you're saving $6,000 a year off of 50,000. So you're saving more than 10% is going towards savings. So that's a great spot to be in. I'm on the fence about to try and make your dollars stretch farther, I'm wondering if the pre-tax wouldn't give you more breathing room. But let's first talk, because I do really like the Roth, If since you don't have a work plan, maybe just doing the Roth. But let me just see to figure out if you're making 50000 Let's see where you fall with it as a single filer. And then we'll just look up what the taxes are in California. And then we can kind of see, maybe if we use, even though it won't be consistent monthly, but if, if you can average about 50000 or we know that's the target, even if you have to supplement it a little but if that's what we're targeting, or if we know you're not going to hit it, then you know where it's going to come out of, right? So, so for 2022, a singular, single filer, your effective or your highest tax bracket is going to be 22%. So anything that you make over $41,776 is taxed at 22%. And the rest is taxed at less. So we could probably assume about 18 maybe percent federal. And then you're also going to have California state taxes. I don't know if there's a city tax in San Diego. Do you? I don't I don't believe so. I don't think I've noticed one. <laughs> okay. So let's see your California income tax. So do, do, do. I'll just use 50,000. Let's see. Do, do, do. Okay. So your marginal rate. So your tax average will be, it's saying here, 12% is your marginal. I think that might be wrong, but, and then your state taxes are pretty high. We know California is a high tax state. So it looks like your after tax income after federal and state is 42,000. If you're making 50, that's the approximate, I'm just using a calculator. So we'll say approximately, but then you do pay into social security and Medicare, which is another 7%. So 42 D and you're going to pay on that gross amount. So let's see what social security and that is going to work out to be. See if I have these numbers. Another thirty-five hundred. So let's just say you're probably bringing at, on fifty. You're probably your net gross 
or your net, not net gross, your net on your gross of 50 is probably somewhere around maybe 39, which would work out to be, let's see, a month, which would work out to be 32.50 a month. Does that seem like it's right? Of what I'm making like per month? Mm-hmm. Yeah, give or take on the on the the months. I think that that sounds about about right. About right. Yeah. Because then that would mean that on your spending of the numbers we went over, so with the Roth and the savings plus your, you know, rent, groceries, gas, you know, things that come to like 2400 and another 500, so approximately 2915. So if we subtract 200 915, then that leaves you with leftover monthly based on these rough math numbers on your tax and FICA tax, you know, federal, mm-hmm. state, and FICA tax. It leaves you only with leftover monthly, like $300. Yeah. Which would make sense that you feel like there isn't anything left because that's only if you're hitting the $50,000 number, right? Yeah. So probably what's happening because it's variable is most months you're either under, right? Or you're right there or you're a little bit over, but there's not a huge... If you're over, you don't have a ton of leeway in the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because 300 can go real fast over the course of a month. Totally. It, it does. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. it. <laughs> so so that's where and, – and I want to set myself up for success like in my future and such. And I don't want to um, – like I want to start now so that way I don't have to like stress about it as much like later on in, in life. Um, in life, yeah. So – but it's also confusing. So like, should I be investing? Should I be doing like, what, what would be my, should be my main foot? Like, obviously I'll pay off my credit card, but like my next focus is just, to, then I should just be bumping up my savings and work towards that yeah. before trying to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. I would keep increasing. Cause right now you're not quite maxing out the raw because you can do 6,000 a year. So I would try and get that number up even if it means, so do you have a safety net outside of your safety net? So like outside of your emergency fund, if there was a real emergency fund, like, do you have a person that can be an emergency fund? Like, could you, if it went, everything went to hell in a handbasket, could you move home? I could move home. I could uh, stay. I've, I've been financially on my own since I was 17. So I don't have anyone to fall back on financially, but I do have, like, I could, I wouldn't have to pay rent or I could live at home and things like that. So I have like, I guess the emotional or like support system in that sense, but not a financial one. Financial one. Yeah. So then what I would do is because rent's like one of the bigger ticket items, right? Yeah. So like if there was an emergency to continue paying rent, that's why you need more in savings, right? Mm -hmm. You obviously still would need health insurance. You still want to pay you know, you still need a phone, you still need groceries, right? But the rent is where, you know, to get your emergency fund to go the farthest, should there be an emergency fund, if you got rid of that rent number, you could stretch out your emergency fund significantly longer, right? Right. So I would keep doing the savings for for now and keep building up your cash. And, and then once you're done with the credit card, I think I would take the money that you're spending on the credit card and I would bump it over to the Roth and just keep the savings at $200. Because you're oh. very soon you will you will eventually get yourself up to the, the nice, comfortable six-month marker. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing in this, I feel like I get a little bit of crap for this online, but 
if you do the traditional versus the Roth, you'll get a tax benefit for it. You'll save yourself taxes by doing traditional versus Roth. So that's really a personal decision because obviously when the money comes out, if you don't have to pay tax on it, you know, $1,000 is $1,000 versus if you take it out of your taxable IRA in retirement, $1,000 is really, let's say $800 in your pocket, right? Because you have to pay tax at that point. Mm -hmm. So one way to make your dollars go farther would be to do the pre-tax because then at least you're not paying tax on those dollars. So instead of paying, you know, that what is it, like 12% federal tax and let's say 7% state tax, so approximately 20% in tax, instead of paying that, you get to keep that tax money and then invest it. That's the benefit of the traditional. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because these past few months I've been prioritizing my health as I've recovered from a nasty case of long haul COVID. I love that it takes the mental work out of getting my vitamins and supplements in because with just one scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, and probiotics. It's been super simple to incorporate into my morning routine because there's virtually no prep required and it tastes great. Plus, it's way cheaper than a fancy coffee habit. If you want to give it a try, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So how would I then, because I didn't really know about like traditional, so if I have everything in my Roth right now, you're saying I should switch it over to a traditional. So you could leave it, you leave your Roth because it's great to have a Roth, but what you could do if you want to, and I'm not, whatever way we get you to save more, I'm happy about. So (laughs) a little bit of of just a preference really of what, where you prefer your retirement monies to be. What I'm the one thing that I think is with you being in a decent tax bracket and also you pay a lot of state tax is if you instead of making three hundred dollars a month into a Roth, if you did three hundred dollars a month into a traditional, you might get some money back at tax time. Okay. Because uh, I did get some money last year back as well. So, but you're saying it would potentially be more if I did it into a traditional. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you would get more back. Okay. So for instance, if you ended up putting 3600 into a traditional, we're just averaging what the total tax ramifications, you could potentially get another $700 back at tax time. Okay. Sorry, I'm taking notes as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> now, but there's a real big argument for you're better off in the Roth because you're young and that the money will be totally tax-free when you go to retire. Mm-hmm. My argument to that is, but if you're not getting by, this is a good way to stretch your dollars by not paying tax. And then if you know that you want it to be Roth at 65, that's not to say you don't convert those traditional IRA dollars down the road into Roth, or you don't use Roth later on in life. So I will leave it up to you. It's def- it's a personal preference. So the way to think about it is, if you do the pre-tax option now, you will get a tax benefit today and no ta- and you'll pay taxes in retirement. If you do the Roth, you'll not get any tax benefit today. You will get it in the future. So it's just a 
preference. And there's a lot of people out there that say only the Roth, you should never do traditional. And I do, do not agree with them. As long as you're aware that there's three money types, which is after tax, like non-retirement dollars, like private money, Roth dollars and traditional, which is pre-tax. As long as you know there's three money types, then you just leverage them for when they're the best fit for where you are in your life. Just because you're a pre-tax, if the pre-tax option to you and getting a bigger tax refund is attractive to you, then there's nothing wrong with that. And just keep in your back pocket that like, okay, I'm going to, at a certain point, maybe when I get to 40, I'm going to start putting more money in the Roth. I'm going to take advantage of the tax savings. Now uh, things are tight, but I should make a little bit more money when, you know, in my late 30s or in my 40s, I'll probably make 80,000. And then at that point, I'll put money in a Roth because I'll have more bandwidth. Gotcha. The options don't go away. I think it's best to use whatever option is most suitable for you in this time frame, and just be aware that there are all these options, right? That there are three money types and how do you best use those money types for the situation you're currently in? Got it. And, and choosing one today does not preclude you from choosing differently next year or the following year. <laughs> That's where I think people get really hung up on that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually that does to be explained. I hadn't really heard of a traditional before, so it, it, I'm learning. <laughs> Yeah, so the tradition so the reason I don't hate on the traditional as much as everybody else does, I love the Roth. But for instance, if you know you want your money to ultimately be Roth, like it doesn't mean you don't change the money type and pay the tax on it at another point in your life. So a really early podcast we did, my sister went to law school, all of her money was in traditional because at the time she was living in a high tax state and a high tax city. She was in Manhattan. So she's getting just like similar to you. She's making decent money, but, you know, wanted to enjoy herself, had rent, and but had a lot of tax. So we did all traditional money. So everything went in pre-tax because she saved a decent amount in taxes. Because if you're going to save 20%, you might not be in a 20% bracket when you're in retirement. You might only owe 10% in retirement, mm. right? So, and so with her... At that time frame, even though everybody said, oh, she should do the Roth, she should do the Roth, she's young. It's like, well, she pays city tax, state tax, federal tax, then you have your FICA taxes. She's losing so much to the tax man. Let's do all pre-tax because we'll have an opportunity to switch it at some point. As long as you know what the, how the rules are, then you can always adjust the game. So when <laughs> she went to go to law school, she had no income, right? Zero dollars coming in. So she's in a zero per zero bracket. When you have no income, you have no taxes. So we started converting over the three years she was in tax, tax school. In the three years she was in law school, we converted 20,000, 20,000, and 20,000, or it was like 19. We, we played with the numbers. So she owed on the entire amount, the 60,000, we converted from all pre tax to Roth. She owed $1,000. So that's it. Not, yeah, that's which is great. <laughs> that's insane. So she deferred all of that taxation when she was in a high single in New York. And she wasn't making big money, but I don't know, maybe like 45000 uh-huh. But she's get, getting hit with a lot of taxes. And she had rent and a metro car, you know, and all the things. And when you're there, you don't want to just sit in your apartment the entire time because the closet. You want to be able to go out. Right. So she didn't pay any tax on those contributions for that entire time she was in New York. And then we paid next to nothing to switch it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that would probably be beneficial at this point in my life because of where I am at. And then as long as you can make the that's what I always get worried about. It's not, I guess, mm-hmm. fully understanding is like, what am I signing my life away to? Or, you know, like, can I not make a change mm-hmm. and like fully understanding that stuff? Because it's a lot to process and, and learn and, and such. So 
It's, it is a lot to process and everybody has strong opinions, which I hate because it's such a fluid thing. Cause it just, because today this is the best fit doesn't mean that's going to be the best fit for you in a year or two years. Mm-hmm. And just because it's right for you doesn't make it right for me. So yes, is the Roth amazing vehicle? 100%. Do I love it? Absolutely. Do I always think it's the best choice for everybody? No, because everyone's different. Everyone's situation is different. Mm-hmm. So you can, if that's more attractive to not pay tax on this, so your dollars go a little farther because it feels tight right now that's fine. You're still saving for retirement and you are not stuck in the pre-tax option indefinitely. So you could always say down the road, you know, we have another down year like this where the market's down 30%. Like you could start converting bits and pieces of it, convert 5,000 a year. Cause the reason why you can always convert it is because the government's always willing to take your tax dollars. <laughs> You're like, Hey, I'm going to pay early. They're like, wonderful. Send us a check. We'll take it. So that's why you can convert it because you're offering to pay them taxes early. So when you go to convert it, you pay the taxes when you do it. So you would obviously do it strategically, ideally when you're in a low bracket or when there's a downturn in the market or when it makes sense, right? You wouldn't do it at the highest bracket of your life. So, and what I do for people who are planning to go into retirement, and this is like way in the future, but if we know you're going to retire and we know that you put a lot in pre-taxes, that's what happens to most people, and you want to have more in Roth, then we just keep you in an artificially low bracket for the first few years of your retirement and live off of very tax efficient vehicles if we plan properly. And then we convert while you're in retirement. I do that for a lot of people. We convert a lot during their 60s. Okay. Yeah. So, but then, so I would just have to ask my financial institution that is helping me with my Roth IRA if I can switch it to a traditional and then they would be able to help me. Yep. So you don't even need to switch it. I would leave the Roth where it is and I would just you could just, instead of continuing to contribute to a Roth, you could just open a traditional and then contribute that way. And then you'll get the tax benefit for the remainder. Or you could do it, or what you could do is you could do it for next year and just finish this year out and then next year do the traditional. And if you say, you know what, the tax refund wasn't really worth it, then go back to the the Roth. Okay. So then what would you recommend then if, so what I, should I put less in my like, my Roth and then do more in the traditional for now if like I go that route or how would you recommend because then I would have a couple of different savings because I'm like trying to build up like in case there's an emergency and I do need cash on hand like I want to have that grow but then also if how would you recommend I split up my savings in the sense yeah no of that I would do yeah no that's a great I would do one I would do one retirement so I would choose between what's going to move the needle for you most now, the Roth or the traditional. And then I would only do one retirement vehicle, just that you're not beholden to it. So if you say, you know what, I tried the traditional, I've read up more on the Roth, I really rather just do the Roth, that's fine. So what I'm saying is you have choice. There's a choice there. Okay. You're not tied permanently to whatever one you choose. You can finish out the year for the Roth because we're almost through the year. And then January 1st, you could start next year. You could try out the traditional and see how that one feels. Cause you won't get the tax benefit until the following year when you file your taxes. Mm-hmm. But now will I, do I have to, for my Roth, if I'm not contributing to it, it the money just stays there. I, there's no like penalty for that or. Yeah, no penalty, okay. no penalty at all. Okay. It, and it'll stay there and it's invested. So it'll keep growing. Okay, perfect. And if I wanted to make it really complicated, you could even split it and do like 100 or 50 bucks into the Roth and then do the bulk of it into the traditional. So you get mostly a tax benefit and then you still have a little bit of a growth in the Roth. Okay. 
if you can't decide. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very hard thing to figure out what is best and most most I let most people kind of drive it because like my personal preference was always I want to defer taxes as much as I can. I don't want to pay if I don't have to because mm-hmm. tax avoidance is perfectly legal. And if you learn our tax system and you learn the different vehicles, then you can be strategic about when you're using them. And so I always like to defer as much as I can in taxes. And then, but I still have Roth dollars. I've just backed my way into them. If that makes sense by using some loopholes. So once you like learn the vehicles, you then you, I think the, the key is just knowing that you're not ever tied to one. The goal is to get a little bit in everything. Okay, great. Cause I feel like I don't like technically have that right now. I mean, I have like my savings and then a Roth, but that's it. But I like there, I, I just hear and like listen in on podcasts and things like that. If there's like so many different, like high yield savings and, uh, oh my God, like, there's different. so many things. Yeah. And so it's like, am I actually doing the the best or that I can and, and not fully understanding? I'm like, could I be doing better if I tried, but I just don't know what, what that move is kind of thing. <laughs> No, absolutely. Because, and they never teach you this. So yes, in your, so high yield savings is definitely something you should look at. So that is where you can keep your emergency fund. And right now, some of the high yield savings are paying almost like 2.8, 2.7%. So at least those monies in your savings account will be making something. Okay. And then you did a great job on doing the Roth. I just think because you're losing a lot to tax that it it's worth investigating how a traditional plays out. And do you have an accountant? Uh, no. Do you do it on, do you do your own taxes on like turbo or something? Oh, I, I guess I, never mind. I do have my mom's accountant or he does my taxes, but that's about it. I don't ask. So here's the, about- <laughs> here's the perfect thing. Shoot the person an email and say, I've been doing the Roth IRA and I just wanted to know, do you think it would be better if I did my contributions into a traditional, how much would I save in taxes? And he'll literally be able to tell you the number. Okay. I'll tell you exactly what you'll save. And then you can say it to yourself, like, is 700 worth it? Or would I rather have it in a Roth? Or would 700 help me pay off my credit card sooner? And that's really the better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Then then you let the numbers decide. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then what I would do is any little extra bit I would put into retirement. So if you have a month where it comes in, you worked extra hours and you have a little extra, I would just keep trying to bump up that retirement. Okay. And then so with that, because... I guess I just have it auto drafted to go into it. So I would have to just let them know to take more of it out each month if I had extra left over or. Yeah, you should be able to go in and just do a one time ACH of extra. Okay. So if you have a good month and you have, you know, you're going to make $200 more, I would just throw it in there because you can do up to 6,000 into the retirement. Okay, great. Yeah. So I would bump, I would bump that up as it happens. So the, the benefit of variable income is you could also always have extra. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't, you don't have it. But if you do have it, I, w- I would throw it into the retirement more than the savings because I think you have enough to cover three months. And God forbid there was a huge emergency. You could live at home and you'd still have to support yourself, but you wouldn't have rent then. Mm-hmm. So that money would go even further. So it would keep doing the savings and then any extra would bump into the retirement. I would let the accountant drive whether the traditional is in your best interest or not because he will tell you exactly what it's going to save you. Because if it's going to save you about what you owe on credit card, it might be worth it for a year. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because then you get, then you knock that out too, right? Right. Okay. Does that make sense? And then you can kind of let it kind of snowball from there. Anything extra goes into the retirement. And at some point you'll get to it 
where you have enough in the emergency fund, so you don't need to put more there. So then you put that in the retirement and then you're going to cap out on retirement. And then after you cap out on retirement, then from there, you can just do a regular investment account. Okay. So then at what point would I be a good move for me to start looking into doing like certain investing, like obviously get my more of my savings and things bumped up now, but like when is it, cause I know some people are doing it at my age, like now, but they do make a lot well, more. You're, well, you're investing, you're in the market and you're inside of your retirement. Oh, okay. It's investing. Okay. Yeah. You're 100% investing. You're just investing for retirement. So okay. <laughs> inside of there and just, and yeah, and just double check, make sure that it's not in the money market, make sure it's invested into a mutual fund or an ETF. Usually you want something broad and then just keep bumping that till you hit that limit, the 6,000. And then if you have from there, you'll maybe have an extra hundred in your budget. And then from there, you can just do the similar investments, but instead of retirement, it's just in your name. Okay. But I think for you, I wouldn't get into anything crazy. I would do conservative, regular investments that have consistent returns. Okay. Usually if it sounds too good to be true, it is. <laughs> okay, great. I think I do, usually do more of the like the conservative of options when they were asking me questions when I was setting up my Roth IRA. I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to go all in. <laughs> Yeah. So no, you're already, you're already investing. And so then the key is just making sure we're getting enough put into retirement that you have the good emergency fund. And then after the emergency fund done, it gets done it. So it gets so well. So then that 200 bucks goes into the, into the retirement. And then at that point you've maxed out the retirement because it's 6,000, right? So then anything extra you make from that point on, then that can just get put into an investment account with your name on it. So it's not a retirement account. It's just a regular investment account. But the investments can be identical to what you have in your Roth. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I feel Do you have like any other are... questions? <laughs> I know. I was like trying to think. I, I was like, I feel like I have a lot of work to, <laughs> to do in the sense of like my retirement and savings and eventually would like to buy a house. So I feel like I just need to just focus in on savings everywhere. I probably should not eat out as much in that sense then so I can stretch my money a little bit further. Yeah, you know, and there is I never think you can plan too early. So if you want to buy a house, I'd look into, into the first time home buyers because I know where you're living, you said San Diego is expensive. Yeah. So I'd look into what does the first time home buyer look like there? What programs do they have available? What do the numbers look like? And then it's so much easier to plan for that, you know, if you're planning out more years in advance. And then maybe that's where you say, you know what, I'm not going to eat out once a month and that money that I would have spent out is going to go towards a house fund because it doesn't feel as much of a sacrifice if you're repurposing it for something else you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because eventually it, it, that is end goal. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, so that's where then you can look at what you're spending monthly and say, okay, I'm going to, for the next six months, I don't know not spend money on X and I'm going to put that towards a house fund. And then it, I feel like it, if you're using it for something you want, it doesn't feel as much of a sacrifice because you're like, well, I'm not eating out tonight because I'm going to use the money to buy a house. And that ultimately is going to serve me more than the dinner out. Right. 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 So I would start by looking to see what home first time home buyer programs they have in San Diego, what the housing market looks like and prices. Cause I think it's probably steep. And then mm -hmm. I would, look at what you're spending. Cause it, you know, we definitely want to do retirement, want to do emergency fund. And that's why maybe that traditional makes sense. Because then if you get, 
$700 back a year and you've, it's a tax refund, maybe that goes towards the house every year. Right. Right. Okay. So that's a way to be creative. And then you could always also just say, okay, for six months, I'm not going to do X. And those dollars that I already were spending are going to go towards a house fund. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. I think that that was, that will be something I would like to look into because I think that from the way that you're explaining it, like I had no idea that that was actual option. I just always have heard Roth, that's the way to go as well. So I think for maybe at this point in my life, that would be a good option. And then, uh, like you said, as if not being stuck to it, it, why not? And (laughs) see how it goes. Yeah. And then if it allows you to hit more goals, if that makes sense. So like if then you, you, let's say the accountant says you get $900 back by doing the traditional, well Mm -hmm. then maybe that 900, when you get it tax time goes into a house account and you do that for the next seven years. Right. Like that's, I don't want to call it found money, but it's by switching the investment for their retirement, you know? Okay. Yeah. That actually sounds like a good idea. So I'll email him this week. Yep. Email him and and see what he says. And you could just say, I'm looking to also try and save, you know, long-term for a house. But if you do that, you know, 29, 30, 31, 32, through three, through four, through five, through six, let's say 36, that's eight years. Mm -hmm. You know, that could be a nice chunk of change set aside for you. Especially if I do decide to stay in San Diego, I'm going to need a lot of that. So, because uh, yeah, because it's, ex- it's expensive there, expensive yeah. city. Yes, I know, and I'm on the lower end for my rent, and like people are like, that's still kind of a lot in certain areas, like friends that live in and other places, and I'm like, this is the cheapest I've found, so I'm locking this place in for as long as I can. <laughs> No, absolutely. Yeah. So I would talk to your accountant because I think that would be a way to kind of check all the boxes, emergency fund, retirement, and still have some bandwidth because it's going to, it'll take a bit to save for house because it's going to be expensive there. So ideally it would be the tax refund money plus whatever else you can add. Cause then that would get you maybe in seven years to closer to 20. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause currently I have none. (laughs) Right. So then at least then that covers almost, you know, if you're getting somewhere like $900, because even if you push it out for te- it's in 10 years, because I know 39 will seem like ancient, but maybe it's sooner. But then at least, you know, you're going to have X amount of dollars then if you just if nothing else changes. Right. Right. OK. And I- ideally, you make more as your career grows. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I w- that's it. That's what I would do. And as I said, you're not locked into any decision. You can always adjust. Okay. That's perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, thank you for coming on. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram for our most up-to-date information at the Future Rich Podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.